You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. We started in here a couple, few weeks ago now, um, and uh, we've been... Uh, you know, this is known as the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, and um, I'm in, while I'm in between series on Wednesdays, I, I'd like to deal with our, our theme uh, as much as I can. I don't know how many services uh, will do that, but while I, while I can, I'd like to. You know, a theme can be difficult to implement uh, sometimes because you come up with a, an idea that you think works, and, and yet halfway through the year, you're like, wow, we haven't talked about the theme hardly at all. And uh, it's easy to, to get, get, get lost in the shuffle and get busy. And, and yet I think, I think our theme this year has, has been before us pretty well. Love Works has been mentioned. It's an easy one to remember, an easy one to mention. And, and, uh, and then I think about all the positive things that have happened with Love Works since the idea was, was given in January. And a lot of the things that we talked about that night that you signed up for, we're seeing those things happen. And I'm so thankful for it. And thankful for your, your willingness to catch on to it. And we, we still have, in my opinion, we've done really good with some of the things we need to do inside the walls. Uh, but Love Works has got to be outside the walls too. And, uh, and so that's one of those things I'm thankful. just want to mention, I'm thankful for uh, Brother Juan this week. Um, he and some of the college class, uh, the singles class, uh, went to the campus of uh, USD here in Sioux Falls. Um, I, I think that's the right campus, if I'm thinking about it right, and passed out water bottles with a church, uh, a church logo and sticker on it and tracks, and just to get the name out to young people uh, or, I don't know, anybody that walked by, I guess they gave out maybe a couple hundred, Brother Juan, uh, water bottles and tracks, and, and that's Love Works, folks, right there. And, uh, you know, you don't, have to, you don't have to do something big, it's just to let them know we, we're, we're thinking about them and we love them, and, and here in Sioux Falls, there's a place they can go um, and, and hear the word and find a family. And so I'm thankful for that, and, uh, and hopefully you'll be thinking of ways that you can have your love working um, and, and in our community. And uh, love works, you know, I was thinking about this. It's not a finish line. You know, we're not going to get to December 31st and say, well, love works. We did all the love we can. We're done with love. Time to move on to something else. Uh, you know, love works is one of those things, and actually, we're going to see it tonight. It's one of those that is an eternal thing, and that love actually never ceases; it never fails, and that's a reason that we're focusing on it. And it may not feel like a convicting or significant thing to think about, but I, I wonder how many churches aren't churches anymore because they left their first love. If you read the book of Revelation, love is a big deal in a local church. And so we need to concentrate, focus on it as much as we can. We're going to look at 1 Corinthians 13 here. And I'd like to read the chapter again um, like we did last time. We'll, end, we'll start at the end of chapter 12 and go to the beginning of chapter 14. So if you can and are able to stand, let's go ahead and stand in honor of the reading of God's word here tonight out of respect for God's word. And we'll read this beginning in chapter 12, verse 31. And then ending in chapter 14, verse 1, and noticing the context of, of all of these verses, not even thinking about the chapter markers, because sometimes the chapter markers can be a little bit confusing and they can split an idea. 
um, you know, right in the middle. And, and so the chapter markers here, I think, you know, if you think of it as one unit, you almost can't have to look past the 13 and the 14. Look at 12, 1231. It says, but covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet show I unto you a more excellent way. Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, and of angels, and have not charity, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing." Those are some heavy words by the Apostle Paul. Verse 4, charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. Doth not behave itself unseemly. Seeketh not her own. Is not easily provoked. Thinketh no evil. Rejoiceth not in iniquity. But rejoiceth in the truth. Beareth all things. Believeth all things. Hopeth all things. Endureth all things, charity never faileth, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass, darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. And now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three. But the greatest of these is charity, follow after charity. I mean, that, that really is the context. And, and if we could, you could almost skip chapter 13. And you could go from chapter 12, 31. He says, yet I show, show unto you, yet show I unto you a more excellent way. Chapter 14, verse 1, follow after charity. That's the context. And tonight I just want to look at, last time we looked at uh, the first part of the first few verses of chapter 13. And how love affects our works. And we're going to review that a little bit, then give you just a couple more, hopefully be a simple message, simple thought tonight, but one that, that I think we need to cover and think about this evening. Love gives meaning to our works, and I'm, I'm thankful for the reminder. Let's pray and ask the Lord to help us. Father, I need your help. I pray that you'd help my voice and that you just help us all to be focused. And, and Lord, I know some Wednesdays you, you, you come in, there's a lot of distractions. And there's a lot of things that have been going on in our lives. And, and Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday have been busy. And yet, if we, if we believe what your word says, there's no more important thing going on in our lives than, than opening the word and, and reading it and understanding it and letting the Holy Spirit speak to us and illuminate it. Lord, we're, we're, so we ask you that you'd help us not to waste your time, help us not to waste our time. God, help us to be focused tonight. And I pray that you'd help your people to be to be full of energy and to be ready to hear and ready to receive and ready for change. God, we love you and we need you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. 
By way of review, things were not going well at the church in Corinth. And I don't have to tell you that. Many of you, most of you Bible readers, you know the history of this church. They were a spiritually immature church. They were in a depraved society. Corinth was the home of the goddess Aphrodite uh, or lust. I mean, the goddess of love is what they called it. Really the goddess of lust and uh, worshipers would engage in immorality in the name of religion. And they, they had no idea, really, many, if you read the books of 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, it seems like they had very little idea what, what biblical love was supposed to look like. How, how to deal with each other biblically with love. They, they live for the flesh and it affected their unity as a church. And, and that, that will always happen, won't it, in a church? If people are looking out for number one, then you, you cannot have unity. And, I mean, in a marriage, if... If in a marriage it's all about me and, and if a spouse says it's all about me and this spouse says it's all about me, you will not have a unity, unified marriage. Uh, you, you cannot operate in a community without love um, and not be dis, disunified. It will always end up in dysfunction and it had there at the church in Corinth. And, and so Paul, in the middle of this letter then, gives a treatise on biblical love. And he gives the word charity multiple times here in chapter 13. And the word uh, is the, the word for unconditional love or sacrificial love, biblical love, God's love, divine love. What's the Greek word, you know? It's agape. And there are multiple words for love in the Bible. This is the Bible word, the Greek word agape, which is about unconditional love. John 3, 16, it's the kind of love that when God got, caused God to send his only son to die for the sins of all mankind and to go to a cross for a wicked world. That was agape love, unconditional love, sacrificial love, selfless love. This isn't love that just gives you a fuzzy feeling. In, in, in our society, love has taken on all kinds of different meanings and very few of them reflect what biblical love is. It's just about feeling and it's about emotion. And yet biblical love is about action. Charity is love that works. That's what we're talking about. It's not feelings. It's, it's love that, that shows itself in its actions. And Paul emphasizes it because the church in Corinth needed biblical love. They were, they were selfish and they were self-focused. And he knew, just like Jesus uh, said in Matthew 27, 22, if you love like you're supposed to love, it fixes all kinds of problems. I mean, if Jesus said, uh, you know, the lawyer came and, and said, what's the great commandment? And he said, love the Lord your God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. And, and he said, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's the second commandment. He says, on, on these commandments hang all the law and the prophets. And what he was saying is, yes, I could, we, we, could, we could try to maybe teach our young people, for instance. We could, we could try to teach them, hey, be nice to each other. Speak kindly to each other. Don't, don't pick on each other. And don't, don't be mean. And, you know, don't, older guys, don't give the younger guys swirlies at camp and things like that. And, you know, we could come up with a long list of, of rules, couldn't we? And, and, it would, and they need it. Or we could convince them to love each other like God loves us. And can you imagine then all the rules you could just 
almost take out of the rule book because they've learned the most important rule. And if I love like God loves me, if I love somebody else like God loves me, then I don't have to sit and wonder, huh, would it be nice to throw cold water on them in the shower at camp? I mean, it, it's fun, yes, but is it nice? No. No, no, they don't have to stop and think about that. Man, I'm thinking about all the stuff that goes, the shenanigans that go on at camp. And I'm not, I, need, I don't need to reveal all your secrets today, okay, so I'll stop. But if we could convince them to love their, their fellow young person that sits next to them on the bus and, and sits next to them in class, and if we could convince them to love the, each other like God loves them, then I'm telling you, it's, it solves all kinds of problems. And that's what, that's what Paul is trying to get the church in Corinth to understand. Yes, he could keep going through all the scenarios. And sometimes you need to get specific. Sometimes you've got to talk through these things and get specific about these things. But, but sometimes you've just got to stop and say, okay, you know what? Just love each other. Selflessly, sacrificially, divinely, like God loves you, you love other people. And, and the church of Corinth needed that. This... The context of this, of this section of scripture is spiritual gifts. Uh, Corinth was not lacking in spiritual gifts. They were, they were a very gifted church. They were a, a five-talent church, if you will. They had people that could do everything. And it, but, but church had become a talent show. They were showing up, and the people that had the showy gifts, the, 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 the better gifts, the, the more impressive gifts, they were getting up just to let everybody see what they could do. And we read about that in 1 Corinthians 14. And so they weren't without gifts, but they were ignorant of how to use their gifts. And, and Paul says, even love will even help you use your gifts right. If, yeah, yeah, you want to come together and everyone wants to covet the best gifts, but I'm going to show you a, far, a more excellent way. I'm going to show you a way that even with your gifts, that you, it will help you to, show, to use your gifts in an appropriate way he says, here's the more excellent way, follow after charity. Just if you will love your fellow church members like you're supposed to, then you're not going to be tempted to get up and show off at church so everyone knows how talented you are. That's literally what he's visiting about. That's, that's what he's writing about here. And so the Corinthian church had a lot going on. They were active, they were talent, talented, they were gifted, but without love they were under the control of the flesh instead of the spirit. And as great as gifts are, and some, some in this room are very talented. And some of you have great, you've got gifts, you're, you've got great abilities, and I'm thankful for it. But a person that is gifted, but not under the control of the Holy Spirit, will, will every time use that gift for themselves. And they'll use that gift to draw attention to them. It'll become a matter of pride. It'll become a matter of conflict. It'll become a matter of jealousy for others. And that gift will be rendered useless. And listen, there is a more excellent way. And that way is genuine love. And so last time we looked at then the first few verses, how love gives meaning to our works. Love gives meaning to our works. So Paul gives the examples of gifts that should be profitable, but they're nothing without love. We just read it, and he talks about in verses 1 and 2. He talks about, he says, I could speak with the tongues that, that would blow you away. I could get up and speak in language after language. I could even get up and I could wax eloquent, and I could preach to thousands, and I could wow everybody. But if I do it without love, it's nothing. 
He says in verse 3, he says, I could give, I could have these great gifts of giving. I could give all my goods to feed the poor and, 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 and I could give my body to be burned. I could give the ultimate sacrifice. I could give and give. And honestly, we've got people in our church that are gifted at giving and I'm thankful for it. But, but, but Paul says, you could give the ultimate sacrifice. You could give where everyone says, wow, can you imagine? I mean, look at what they gave. But if you do it without love, he says, it's nothing. It's worth nothing. And, and we need to pay attention to that truth as a matter of review. This truth should say to us, listen, we are an active church. And we've got talent. And we've got, we've got things going for us. But, but, but listen, the presence of gifts is evidence um, of the Holy Spirit. Okay, and, God, and the Holy Spirit gives us gifts. And we've got gifts. And some of you have the gift of teaching. And some of you have the gift of of greeting and making our guests feel welcome. And some of you have the gift of music. And I'm thankful. I look around the room and, I mean, just so many gifts. I'm thankful. You know those gifts, the gift that you have, by the way, is evidence that the Holy Spirit is involved in your life. He's given you gifts. But, he's, but, but on the other hand, the, but the use of those gifts um, in a proper way is, is evidence that the Holy Spirit's in control. So here's the thing, just because you have a gift doesn't mean that it's being used properly. You could have a gift, that's evidence of the Holy Spirit. But if you're using it for yourself or you're not using it at all, that is evidence that the Holy Spirit, though even though he gave you the gift, he's not in control of it. And you've decided to maybe hijack a gift that God gave you to use in your local church. And listen, we've got people in this room right now You've got things to offer and God puts you here for a reason and you've got gifts and you've got talents and you've got abilities and you've got ways that you can contribute and for some reason or another, you're not. And I just want to say to you, use the gift God gave you. He placed you here for a reason and he wants you to contribute. He doesn't want anybody to just kind of leech off a church or just kind of fill a pew no, he has a role for you to play. He's placed you in this body in a, in a, in for a specific reason. And so use your gift in a way that God, that could glorify God. Let him be in control of that gift. You know, the, 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 evidence, or the, the presence of a gift is, is evidence of the Holy Spirit, but the, but the use of charity in your gift. That is the evidence that the Spirit's in control of your gift. There's a big difference. You know, it's possible to operate as a church and, and, and not operate in charity. It's one thing to have great strength, for instance. It's another, though, to control that strength when you need to. And, and, and it's, think about it. If we bypass love and we go straight to the second word of our theme, then what is our theme? Works. And, and anybody can do works. And a lot of churches do works. And they're busy. I mean, the church in Corinth, guess what? It was a church of works. They were busy. They had gifts. They had, they had talents. They had activity. But according to our theme chapter in John chapter 13, Jesus says it's not just the works that set us apart. It's actually the love that sets us apart. You want to you reveal to the guy at work that works next to you, man, you want to reveal to him that you're a, a true disciple of Jesus Christ? It's not about your talent. It's about the love that you have that Jesus has. 
It, it's, it's not just, now, now, God is interested in our works, but God is more interested in our reason behind the works. He's interested in our love. He's interested in our motivation. He's not just interested in our motion. And so love is the more excellent way because only when we operate on a spiritual level do we get to enjoy activity that matters. And I just want to ask you to examine yourself tonight. I mean, love gives meaning to your works. I mean, how long have you been working in that Sunday school class without love? And how long have you been serving next to somebody in some ministry here and you haven't thought about love as your motive in a while? I mean, orchestra, I'm so thankful for the orchestra. I love it and I, I want it to keep growing and I mean, if you play an instrument, start practicing and get up there. You know, I mean, it's, there's, a, there's, a, there's room. And yet, orchestra players, I mean, did you get up tonight to play just because you've got a talent? Did you think about the fact that love should be your driving force? I mean, those involved in our First Impressions team, when you, when you, you know, were out there greeting today, um, were you thinking about love for God and love for others? Or were you just in your spot because this is my post? And teachers, I mean, studying. See, God, God is very concerned not just with our emotion, but with our motives. And, and, and love comes first in our theme. Yeah, works, are, works matter. But to God, love matters more. And I hope that you'll be thinking about that. Love gives meaning to our works. That's what we looked at last time. The second one that I want to look at tonight, or there's three, but the second here is that love causes our works to be about others instead of ourselves. So love causes our works to be about others instead of ourselves. Look at verse 4. It says, Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself. Is not puffed up. Doth not behave itself unseemly. Seeketh not her own. Is not easily provoked. Thinketh no evil. Rejoiceth not in iniquity. But rejoiceth in the truth. Beareth all things. Believeth all things. Hopeth all things, endureth all things. You start to look at this list, man. This is a, you know, we're going to go through it, you know, pretty quickly. But, but this is a, this is an important list. Uh, this is really where the the nuts and bolts of love come come through. Um, he says in verse four, here's some characteristics of love. He says, charity suffereth long. This is patience, is what he's talking about. And you know, we live in an impatient world, don't we? Uh, I, I don't know how many of you, as Sioux Falls grows, how many of you find yourself being frustrated with the traffic that comes along with a bigger city? I mean, pay, impatient, man. I mean, no one wants to wait, wait in line. Uh, I don't like to wait at a red light. I don't, I don't like to wait at a stop sign for somebody else. And, you know, we get impatient if it takes two seconds for Google to give us the answer. I mean, we're so used to, it's an instant gratification society, isn't it? It's easy to be impatient, uh, and it's easy to, to, to not be patient with people. But I don't know about, but think about this. Uh, patience is wearing thin, and yet, I mean, can you, can you think back in your life when you were growing, or you were a young Christian, can you think back to the people in your life that had patience with you? I mean, can you imagine if somebody dealt with you like you deal with other people? I mean, in a church family, charity suffereth long. Meaning there are people that aren't where they're supposed to be, and yet that's okay. 
There's, there are people at every, every step of the journey and some are right over here at the beginning and some are way over here in maturity. And what we need as a church is for those over on this side to be extremely patient with those over here. Charity suffereth long and if somebody suffered long with you, then you ought to be patient with somebody else. You know, it's easy to be impatient with people and yet... When you think about me, I think about people that were patient with me and gave me space and room to grow and, and didn't just, be, you know, every time I messed up, just kind of write me off, but, but were, were patient and kind and loving. And let's be that for other people. Charity suffers long. Charity is kind, it says. Not just patient, but kind patience. Kind while being patient. You know, it's, it's, I remember one time I was at the pharmacy at Walmart and and I whistle a lot, okay? I'll just, it's one of my weaknesses, okay? I just whistle. That's what I do. I make noise. So I was whistling, and we were at line at the far, I was at line in the pharmacy, and whistling, not thinking about it, literally whistling a hymn. I mean, God should have blessed me for this. Amen. And somebody at the front of the line who was taking a while assumed I was whistling out of impatience. They turned around and they say, I'm... They said, I'm hurrying as fast as I can. Stop that whistling. I'm like, oh my goodness. I didn't know you can interpret whistling as impatience. But you know, that's the world we live in. I mean, there's not much kindness in this world anymore. There's not much just natural patient kindness with people. And you know, if you want to stand, if you want to be set apart, and you want to, like Jesus said, you want to be a disciple that, that is set apart, that the world knows that you're his, try kindness. It's okay. I mean, I'm not saying kindness um, and sacrificing truth for kindness. You know, you can be kind and you can be truthful. You can be kind and you can be honest. You can be kind and still um, elevate truth to where it needs to be. Uh, he says charity is kind. You want to stand apart, be, be kind. You want to stand apart? He says charity envieth not. You know, the Corinthians struggled with being envious of each other's gifts. You know, somebody would get up and sing and it would be beautiful or, you know, it would, it would be, you know, really a, a nice song or they have great talent. And, and people would look at each other in the pew and they'd say, well, it wasn't as good as last time. Or I could do better than that. If they would just give me, a t uh, give me my time behind the pulpit. You know, we have to fight this too. You know, it's easy to look at others with their lands and gold, like the hymn says. And it's, you know, sometimes the car that somebody drives into the, into the, um, into the, the parking lot, you can think, man, I, I need a new car. You know, the house that somebody has, you say, man, I, I, I deserve a house that nice. And, you know, where's, where, the relationship somebody enjoys and the blessing somebody enjoys, you know, that's part of being a, a part of being a family is, is that when something good happens to somebody else, we don't get upset about it. We get happy because they're part of our family and we're thankful. The Bible says you can rejoice when one member rejoices because God's blessing them. And that's love. I mean, that's love at work is that when somebody, something happens to somebody else, we can be thankful for it. Love vaunteth not itself, it says. That, that's to be boastful. And the Corinthians were guilty of showing off their gifts. And he says, love is not puffed up. That's having a big head and, and being proud and thinking yourself to be more special or, or better than you are. To be defensive. 
uh, with other people. He, he goes on, he, he says, love does not behave itself unseemly. That means to act in such a way that's not like a Christian, to be unbecoming. And, and uh, you know, when we take the young people to trips, and I, I've said it to him, I've heard Brother Samuel say it to him, when we take them to trips and we say, we're going to stop at this gas station, remember who you represent. You know, because you watch videos of young people going into gas stations now, and usually it's a group of young people going in to loot the store and carry off as much as they can and destroy it and run out. Well, we, we don't want our young people to be perceived as that. Okay, they're not a flash mob. and They're young people representing Jesus Christ on a trip, and when they go to a store, we try to remind them of that. You know, we don't want them to behave themselves in a way that's unseemly. But you know what? I've seen adults behave themselves in a way that's, not un that's unseemly for a Christian. You know, just the way that we talk to each other sometimes. Or the way that we talk about each other sometimes. You know, it shouldn't be that way. And I'm not saying it's a big problem here at Eastside. But I know we're all humans. And I know it can happen right here. Let's not behave ourselves in a way that's unseemly. That's not love at work. There's seeketh not our own. That that's, does not seek your own attention. It's not about you. It, love is not easily provoked. It, that means you're not quick to anger. I mean, how, how quick is your trigger? Right? It, it can be that way sometimes. I mean, it is for me as well sometimes. You come in and you're in a certain mood. You know, that's nobody else's fault. It doesn't justify being angry. I mean, listen, we're human. We get it. But it's not becoming of a Christian. It says, love thinketh no evil. You know what, Here's a, this is a big one. Love is not suspicious of other people's motives. And we shouldn't assume the worst in somebody. You know, I, we, sh we should give each other the benefit of the doubt. And I hope that you do. And I, I hope that you would give somebody the same benefit of the doubt that, they, that you would want them to give you. I mean, if, if you said something or did something... And, and you think, I want them to think this about me before jumping to that conclusion, then, then you can do that about somebody else too. So love thinketh no evil. We're not out to just assume the worst. Re love rejoiceth not in iniquity. We're not, we're not going to celebrate sin. We're not going to think it's funny. And, and men, when you get together, you shouldn't be laughing or joking about things that somebody might think is inappropriate. I mean, that shouldn't happen with the men at Eastside Baptist Church. Rejoiceth in the truth. We should embrace truth. He says, love beareth all things and believeth all things and hopeth all things. Love endureth all things. Charity, love in action, it's forbearing, it's patient, it's willing to endure, it's in it for the long haul. So how much are you willing to put up with while others are growing? I mean, how patient are you? How much room do you give somebody? And it's easy just to say, well, they're not where they need to be and write them off. But listen, I, I just go back to the question, how patient was somebody with me? You know, if I could sum up what love in action looks like according to these verses, I would say it means doing whatever is the best thing for somebody else. To think what is best for them. Not what's best for me, not what's most convenient for me. No, what's best for them. Every example that Paul gives in 1 Corinthians 13 comes down to have some, having somebody else's best interest in mind. And you know the, the way that I think about this when it, in a church is I think about it like being a parent. You know, I, I love my children as much as sometimes my children, you know, may, may you know, drive me to insanity. 
I want what's best for them at every turn. I want what's absolute best. I'm glad Olivia and Audrey got tortilla blankets. If that's what they want, I want them to have them. By the way, I used it this week, and it, was, it is pretty nice. Dagnickers, thank you. Threw it in the microwave, put some butter on it. It was great. So, Now, I want that. If, if, it'll, if it'll help them get excited about something, if it'll be, just be a blessing in the middle of a college semester, I want it, to, I want it for him. I was looking at watching my kids opening the things that we got this week and the things for them, and I was happy for them. You know, when you're a parent, it's not hard to want what's best for your kids. But, you know, we're a family too. And, and we ought to want what's best for each other. And we ought to be happy when something happens that's a good thing for somebody else. And, and we ought to really bear the burden when somebody else is carrying a burden. That's what families do. That's love at work. And, and Paul gives very clear examples of the, that love is the more excellent way because it makes, it, it makes us about others instead of ourselves. And we need that. We live in a selfish world. We live in a selfie society. It's all about how you present yourself and it's all about you. But, but love is the more excellent way because it gets our focus off us and onto other people. And the, the third final reason that love is the more excellent way is that it causes us to invest in work that's eternal. I mean, love gives meaning to our works. It causes us to invest in others instead of ourselves. And then it causes us to invest in work that is eternal. And I'm not going to go into all these, not to dissect these verses, but Paul closes out the chapter by comparing how long love will last. Love lasts eternally. I mean, think about it. Charity never faileth. It never falls away. It will never cease to have force. You know, that, you know what that means? That, that there are a lot of things that are going to end. There are, there are a lot of things that while on earth, they will not continue though once we get to heaven. But there's one that will continue forever and that's love. You know, everything else is going to cease. Uh, prophecies are going to fail. You know, prophecies are, you know, the declaration of, of, of the mind of God. You know, the, the declaration or the presenting of truth of prophecy, just kind of the the letting, letting others know what God says or God thinks and de- prophesying or declaring his word. And, 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 but, you know, we won't have to have somebody uh, with prophecy in heaven because God can declare his own mind. Tongues are gonna, going to cease. And, by the way, if you study scriptures, you know that tongues were assigned to unbelieving Jews. They were languages. And you read this chapter here and you, you can see that when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. Tongues are, are no longer necessary um, because we have God's word. We have a completed revelation. Um, but tongues are, are going to cease and knowledge, he says, will vanish away. He say, does that mean we won't, have more, we won't have knowledge? No, it means that we'll have complete knowledge. We won't have a reason to, to, have, to seek more knowledge out. We'll have what we need. But Paul is saying, though, that while those things are temporary, love will continue. Love is going to endure. It will last into eternity. And, it, and we will have an opportunity to practice then something right now that we'll be doing forever. We'll be loving. So when you choose to let your love work, you're doing eternal work. You're involved already in something that lasts into eternity. You know, I think about the best investments. The best investments are things that will endure, right? I mean, 
if you think about it, if you're going to invest and, and you think, okay, this investment, it'll, this investment will basically cap out in two years, it'll be done. That's not the kind of investment you want to make. You want to invest in something that will endure. Well, let me just, let me just then put some perspective on it. If you want to invest in something that will endure, you know, I can tell you something you can invest in that'll still be around in a million years. You know what that is? Loving people. Because if you look around the room, then every person in this room is going to exist in a million years somewhere. They're going to be alive somewhere. And so let me just then ask you to do an evaluation of your time and your talents and your treasure. Because those are kind of those are the resources we have. We have time and we have talents and we have treasures. So then do, a, do an examination or an evaluation of your time. And how much of your time are you investing in things that will still be viable in a million years? And how much of your treasure, of your resources? You know, we're going to have a missions offering. We'll have faith, promise, commitment. You know, a lot of times our treasure, most of our money goes toward things that when we die, it's over. So how much of your treasure is being invested in something that will be around and be viable still in a million years? Your time, your treasure, your talents. How much of your talent are you giving to work compared to how much of your talent you're giving to loving people in a setting um, that will invest in their eternity and in a million years they'll still be around? Because a lot of times, you know, I, I've, and I, this happens, a lot of times we take our talent, we find our talent, and we work on our talent, we get a degree or we get a job that, that, that capitalizes on our talent, that's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. We ought to. But I know plenty of people that capitalize on their talent for, for a company, but in, but in 80 years when that person passes off this scene, all that money is... And yet at a church, they, they very rarely gave themselves their talent to invest in something that will last for in a million years. And I just want to ask you tonight to evaluate your time, your talent, and your treasure. And say, how much am I investing in love? Because love, loving other people, I mean, that's an investment in something that will still be viable, that will still exist in a million years. And tonight, we maybe just need to evaluate. Because it's easy to get wrapped up in things that, that don't endure like love. Things that are temporary, and yet love is eternal. And to sum up what Paul writes, we could say this. Instead of spending energy seeking the best gifts, this is what he's telling the Corinthians. Take that energy and pursue charity. If you do that, your activity won't be empty. You'll be a help to other people, and you'll be involved in something that will last into eternity. And I'm thankful that we're an active church. And I'm thankful that so many use their gifts and their talents for the good of the body. I see it every week. But active conservative churches should be on red alert. And we should take, we should, I mean, listen, we take strong stands and we're a hardworking church. But sometimes those kinds of churches find it easiest to operate without love. In other words, it can be easy to be so busy that you leave love behind. A church like ours, as strong as it is, will be involved in empty work if we do what we do without charity. Not to mention we'll find ourselves embroiled in disunity and distracted from our purpose. 
Listen, we, we've got to insert love into our works. Actually, a better way to say it might be, we must motivate our works out of our love. So do you do what you do out of love? And have you forgotten your calling as a disciple to be about other people? Are you going through the motions without the proper motivations? How do you fix those things? Well, I would just say what Paul said, follow after charity. Because it is, it, it certainly, definitely is the more excellent way. Let's stand together. Every head bowed. Every eye closed. We're going to have a verse of invitation just real quick here tonight. If you've lost sight of the motivation behind the motion, I want to encourage you to do business with the Lord tonight. I think all of us on some level um, can find it easy to go through the motions and forget the motives. And yet I want to be involved in work that lasts into eternity. I don't know about you. I don't want to get down to the end of it and realize, man, I just spun my wheels for a long time. I don't want to get down to the end of it and think, realize that I did it all for myself. I don't want to get down to the end of it and, and realize that my works didn't have much meaning and that they were temporary and that my investments were short-lived. I'd love to get down to the end of it and realize that I gave myself to things that, are, that last into eternity. And love will help you do that. I know it may not seem significant maybe to you, uh, but I do think that this is a major issue in conservative churches. And that we kind of are so busy, we're so active, we're so on top of things that we forget that the why is just as important as the what. And I want to encourage you maybe then just to take a moment and pray to the Lord and ask him to help you to do what you do uh, for the right reasons. And that is love. Let's pray. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.